the comments heard on The View from a Pew are those of Mac McCoy and are not necessarily the opinions of his guests, his producer Garth, any one particular denomination or religion, the church lady, Mr. Lemke, Pastor Craig, or anyone else of sound mind and body. Now here is today's The View from a Pew, heard all around the world on YouTube. Just search for The View from a Pew. And thank you, Emily. Good afternoon to you. I'm Mac McCoy with my wingman, Theo here, who is an alumnus of the Dallas Theological Seminary. And every week on Tuesday, we bring you what we call the Roman Road. And this is week number 31. So we've been doing this for quite some time. And uh, tell me what the big deal is going to be today, would you please, Theo? Mac, we're in uh, week 31. Oh, 31, okay. And what's the big deal for this week? And uh, today we're going to talk about the big idea, and that is that sin uses the law to deceive. We are looking at the justified believer's relationship to the law, primarily the Mosaic law. Things have changed. As we saw in Chapter 6, our old self has died with Christ, the old self's obligation to the law was released. Authority over our new self, unfortunately, sin uses the law to deceive us. So let's go ahead and pray and then review. Thank you, Lord, that we can be together today to study the book of Romans. Considering where we are in Christ, may we have wisdom to understand that sin often uses the law to deceive us. Thank you for the gospel, the good news. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He rose on the third day according to the scriptures. In that process, he gave us the free gift of salvation through faith only. And now, may everything we say and do be honoring to you. In your name we pray. Amen. The book of Romans is made up of five pillars of theology. Sin. Chapter 1, verse 18 through chapter 3, verse 20. Salvation, 321 through 521. Sanctification, chapters 6 through 8. Sovereignty, chapters 9 through 11. And service, chapter 12 through chapter 15, 13. So let's review that first pillar, sin. In chapters 118 through 320, we find the clear idea that all people are sinners. According to Romans 3, 10 through 11, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Now let's look at the second pillar, salvation. In chapters 321 through chapter 5 of Romans, we see that humans have a sin problem, but there's hope. So let's quote for the, from the New Living Translation, chapter 3, verses 22 and 24, from a very important paragraph, Romans 3.21 through 3.26. There it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. 
Now let's go to that third theological pillar, sanctification. Once we are saved positionally, that is justified, what do we do? How do we live? Chapter 6 of Romans answers that question by explaining the justified believer's relationship to sin. Our old self died, figuratively, with Christ, terminating our relationship of slavery to sin. The surviving new self is no longer a slave to sin, though it is still tempted to sin by the sin nature. Chapter 7, then, of Romans addresses the justified believer's relationship to the law. Verses 1 through 6 discuss the law's loss of authority. The justified new self is the survivor of the relationship between the unbelieving old self and the law. The old self died with Christ. Thus, the law of the old relationship no longer has jurisdiction, rule, or authority. The new self has been released from the law, raised from the dead with Christ, and joined to Christ. This concept is well summarized in Romans 10.4, where it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ has replaced the law as the one to follow. When you willingly follow him, you bear fruit for Jesus. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, discusses the activity of the law. God's gift of the law to humans informs humans about what is sin, such as coveting. It is supposed to curb sin, to prevent anarchy in Jewish society, to honor God, and like a mirror, to show humans their weakness and inability to be righteous. But the law is often turned into an instrument of sin through the fleshiness of self or selfishness of people. Sin misuses the law to arouse previously dormant or dead selfish passions. The forbidden fruit becomes the aroused object of desire and then action. That is why the ending part of verse 8 states that apart from the law, sin is dead. Now let's go to our new verses for the week in Romans 7, 9 through 12. Romans 7, 9, let's read it. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. This verse has generated much discussion about the pronoun I and whether it should be taken as a literal reference to the unjustified Paul himself or whether it has figurative meanings where Paul is acting in a representative capacity for all humans or as a symbol of Israel prior to receiving the law at Mount Sinai. For our purposes, it is probably undeniable that Paul is referring to himself in his individual capacity prior to his justification. It is only possible that he is expressing representative capacities such as the human race or the nation of Israel. Given the context, it is probable that the statement, I was once alive apart from the law, is reiterating the effect that law had on his dormant, selfish passions. Leaving these dormant, selfish passions alone left them dormant, and he can say that he was alive, that is, not pursuing his particular sin, which leads to death. A possible example would be instructing preteen children to not smoke cigarettes. Most of them probably never even thought about smoking themselves, 
But when people in authority continue to tell them to not smoke, some will be aroused to try it simply because it is forbidden. We all know that pursuing cigarette smoking leads to a higher likelihood of early death. By analogy, the law arouses some people to engage in whatever is forbidden, which leads to death. Paul is explaining in verse 9 that once he understood that coveting was sinful and forbidden, he was aroused to engage in coveting. The presence and power of sin sprang to life, and this led to engaging in activities which led to death for him. As Romans 8, 6 says, the mindset on the flesh is death. Now let's go to Romans 7, 10. Let's read it. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. Here, Paul is continuing to comment about the commandment against coveting. He expresses his understanding that the commandment against coveting was intended to result in life, that is, curbing coveting. Coveting replaces God with idols of desire, which can then be manifested in overt actions, violating the other commandments, such as do not steal and do not commit adultery. Paul is here relating that his aroused coveting resulted in death for him, that is, spiritual death, a diminished relationship with God. Now let's go on to Romans 7:11 and read it. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. Reflecting the same idea of verse 8 in here in chapter 7 with the phrase, taking an opportunity through the commandment, Paul describes how sin can misuse the law to deceive. Prior to Paul's conversion, Paul's sinful nature deceived him into thinking that violating the law through coveting would bring satisfaction and fulfillment and pleasure. Paul explains that this was total deception. Eve in the garden was deceived by the serpent into thinking that violating the rule against eating the forbidden fruit would not make her die and that she would have satisfaction and pleasure from knowing about good and evil. In fact, the result of eating the forbidden fruit was a death of her former, former innocent spiritual relationship with God, the initiation of aging, which led to her physical death, and subjection to the mastery of a sin nature. Likewise, Paul's pursuit of coveting led to his being killed, further separated from God. Let's go to Romans 7:12 now and read it. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous and good. Reflecting the same idea of verse 7, Verse 12, in many ways, is a restatement of verse 7. Verse 7 states unequivocally that the law is not sin. Here, Paul expands that idea, stating that the law is holy and righteous and good. Just because sin is able to use law for evil purposes does not diminish the goodness of the law. In summary, the power of sin uses prohibitions in the law to arouse forbidden activity. The forbidden activity leads to death, that is, separation from God. The Mosaic law is good. It is holy. It is righteous. Used properly, it curbs evil activities. But the power of sin found in our human flesh can deceptively use the prohibitions of the law to arouse sinful desires, 
leading to further sinful actions. So how do we apply this? It is important that we justified believers understand how the fleshly, sinful human desire to disobey can turn holy law intended to curb evil activity into an instrument arousing evil activity. When we place limitations and prohibitions on people, unjustified or justified, we must understand that we will not always get obedience and compliance, and in fact, will often arouse the very activity which is being prohibited. Isn't it wonderful that according to Romans 6.14, justified believers are not under law, but under grace? This reduces the temptation of law arousing sinful passions and activities. Under grace, the justified believer's faithful obedience is summed up with two principles rather than prohibitions. The principles are to love God and love your neighbor. This is the road to life. Thank you, Theo. That is Lesson uh, 31. Uh, We will be back next week with Lesson 32. You can hear them all by simply going to youtube.com and then search for The View from a Pew. I'm Matt McCoy, and I want to thank you for being along with us today, as you are every day at this time. And remember, as we just said, you can always catch the other shows, the older shows, the yesterday show at youtube.com. Search for The View from a Pew. I love my job. I couldn't do it without you. So thanks for listening. Divine Truth Christian Stores, our sponsor, and thank them. Where you'll find.